Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Well, welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond. I am a church planter candidate with Ma One Mission. With here, we also have... I'm Curtis Rogers, and I am an intern here at Mile One Mission. And I'm David Drover, also an intern here at Mile One. And so we have a uh, special guest with us also today. So today we are talking about uh, theology and worship. So uh, I have specifically, sorry, Dave and Curtis with me because they help out with music at Calvary Baptist Church and getting our liturgy already. But on the line, we also have uh, Pat Sabell. Did I say your right name right, Pat? Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, welcome to the show, Pat. Oh, uh, glad to be here. Thanks yes. for having me. So, um, won't you tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, I know you're involved in a uh, church plant in Vancouver, uh, but won't you tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure. Well, I have uh, I've been married uh, to my wife for May will be 35 years. She was reminding me on Valentine's Day that uh, she's been my Valentine for 36 years. Um, we have eight children, um, three that are adult, uh, four grandchildren, and, um, and a 19-year-old, so 34, 33, 29, 19, uh, 16, 10, 8, and 2.5. And oh, wow. And so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, life is busy and crazy still in the Sabelle household. Um, and uh, pastored, uh, planted a church in 1998, pastored there for 20 years, and then merged that church with another church three years ago. And uh, been coaching and training uh, worship leaders and worship teams. And, and then this new adventure where... Um, I'm going to continue to do that, but through in, in a local church called Midtown Church. Had the privilege of uh, planting it with Norm Funk, who's a, a pastor here in the city. Um, so, yeah, really excited about what the Lord has for us. We're, we're both uh, similar age and both have a desire to, to train and raise up pastors and worship leaders. And so, yeah, excited about this next season. Uh, that's great. That's great. I mean, we. I mean, obviously, we're here in Newfoundland uh, planting churches, so it's great to uh, hear about other churches being planted across, across the country. So we're excited for you, man. Oh, great! Yeah, it's 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 important. I'm really excited about what you guys are doing out there in Newfoundland as well. So encouraging. Thanks, man. Uh, so, would you say that uh, worship is a, a passion of yours? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think anyone who who has uh, met Jesus, had a real encounter, had their, you know, their, their lives brought from death to life and understands uh, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them, uh, should have a passion for worship. <laughs> um, I would say, <laughs> Amen. I would say that uh, my passion uh, not only to to be a worshiper in in my life, but I think to to want to see um, churches, you know, magnifying the the worth and the work of Christ 
so I think I think my passion is to really see. Uh, there's a lot of lot of twisted. I think we've we've bought into, you know, often things that isn't really worshiping worshiping Jesus anymore. I think we're caught up in the latest, the greatest. Uh, you know, um, if we have a good sound system, we have amazing lighting. If we mm. have um, you know the best of modern technology then then we can worship and I, I don't think it's about any of those things those things are good they're good gifts but so you mean uh, i can end, worship jesus without like the best like microphone or amps or speakers out there <laughs> yeah we, we sure can or your favorite I style of the, music <laughs> the old the old matt redmond song of many many moons ago uh, i'm coming back to a heart of worship it's all about you and you know, um, I, I think there's there's something that God's doing in our time where He He wants to bring us back to to being all about Him and uh, and that's all about Him and in, in our lives when no one's looking in our families and our homes um, and then when the church gathers corporately um, we 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 make Jesus the you know, front and center of, of our gatherings and thinking about heaven and revelation four and five there's something that's taken place there that that uh, is focused on the one seated on the throne and in the middle of the throne is the lamb lamb that was slain and you know um the, the living creatures and the 24 elders and myriads and myriads of angels you know praising god with a loud voice and you know, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Dude, you're uh, making me want to like power and glory. You make me want to like What's worship. That? You make me want to worship like right now. Just hearing you talk about this, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's you know wanting to uh, both because there you know whether it's parenting or you know being a, a pastor, um, being a, a leader in church. Uh, it's it's both our demonstration and our proclamation that is what inspires and awakens people. And uh, I want I want to love Jesus deeply, and I want that love for Jesus deeply to um, both to, to people see it in my demonstration and in my proclamation. Um, I I, I, I want to see you know a, a whole generation of of worship leaders, worshipers, uh, and, and, and pray that however long God gives me, uh, with every breath I can, yeah, I can make him known both in my, what people see in my life and what they hear from my life. So. That sounds, that sounds great. So, uh, Curtis, Dave, what do you think about what Pat just said there about, you know, worship and being passionate about it? How do you guys feel about what he just said? Yeah, no, I think it's, I love what he said about coming back to the heart of it all, and particularly, too, even, um, I mean, I don't know if we have many um, worship music leaders out there or or just the term worship leaders out there who are listening, but being somebody who's kind of seen Pat lead musical worship and seen him in these scenarios, you know, I, I love that just genuineness that he was just talking about, that he just wants to love Jesus and lead other people in loving Jesus. And that's so evident when whenever I've heard him sing, whenever I've heard him play guitar, even, you know, your response to him just talking about Christ just then, right? It's Yeah, yeah. And 
I, I think we would be music leaders would be so much better off if that was their main focus, not getting, you know, the music to be completely right or, um, you know, putting on a show or performance, but, you know, merely just getting up in front of the group of people and saying, let's love Jesus together as we sing to him or as we read out the liturgy or as we pray or as we hear the word preached um, beyond all of just, because that was actually the other thing I really loved that he said was that, you know, it goes beyond just music. I think a lot of times when we hear worship, people in the church, they just think, well, you know, it's almost like music has kind of um, become worship. And that's a lot of how people will basically equate the two. Yet it's so much more than that. Um, you know, worship is just so much bigger. It's it's everyday life. It's everyday living. It's family. It's it's in the church. It's, you know, through all these different things. And um, just going back to kind of like the, I guess, the definition um Something I a book that I read that I really loved, Pat. I don't know if you've read this or not, but it's called Unceasing Worship by uh, Harold Best. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. he he dives in, and it's just such a really good baseline the, theology of worship book to read. Recommend it for anybody out there. Um, but he he in the first couple of chapters really unpacks worship, and he defines it as a continuous outpouring. And I think yeah. that's just such a great definition because I mean just just being humans and being created in the image of God, we're, we're constantly pouring ourselves out into something. You know, everybody worships. There's nobody who doesn't worship. We either worship, you know, it might not be God. Our worship is often misplaced in, in our job, in our relationships, in money, in whatever it is. We love all these different things. We pour ourselves out to these things. Um, but that book I just does a really good job of laying out that worship is, you know, essentially it's, it's us outpouring ourselves onto something, um, yeah, I don't know, Curtis, Pat, Adam, anything you guys want to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, mm. um, obviously I think passion is is a key element there because it's not like there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with a good sound system or, or good quality music. I think you know we should strive to be like good as best as we can be for God, but ultimately um, – the temptation can often become like, oh, well, I'm up here and I'm having fun playing piano or playing drums or whatever and get swept up in that. And in the midst of that, almost forget who the music's for. And I think that's mm-hmm. ultimately what, you know, the passion boils down to is that I'm doing this for Jesus. And yeah, we we might have a good sound system or we might not, we might have a really bad one. But either way, this is, or we might have the best musicians in the world or we might have just mediocre volunteers who are doing the best they can and ultimately all of that um is for god's glory yeah yeah that's good guys um it's it's so refreshing to hear that i mean i uh helped out a guy once uh he was leading a small church in a town here in newfoundland called placentia and uh, maybe 10 people there on a sunday morning um, it fluctuated a lot, but my, me and my wife were going out. Uh, I was speaking, she was singing, and we were supposed to have a keyboard player come with us. So the Sunday morning, we were getting up, and there was a good, I think it was two hour, hour and a half, two hour drive out there. And our uh, our other musician uh, bailed on us, so she couldn't make it. So it was just me and my wife, and we were like, what are we going to do? So I brought my cajon, and <laughs> I played the cajon, and she sang, and that's literally all we had for worship. But it was probably some of the best worship I've experienced with a small body of believers. It was fantastic. Wow. 
So, uh, so good. So uh, we, we've, we've done a really good job of defining worship guys. And like I said, it's, it's really kind of riled me up already. Like, you know, like Jesus is so great. We're so lucky and so blessed to have such an amazing creator, such amazing Lord and Savior that we can turn to and just be in awe of and just worship in every aspect of our lives, like that continually out, outpouring. Um, yeah. But when it comes to theology in particular, um, a lot of people sometimes think of theology as regards, you know, God's character uh, salvation, sin, hell, all that stuff. But um, sometimes the theology of worship is left out, or sometimes we just leave it to people who are, are musical. You know, they can have that theology, they can have that belief about music, and we'll just let them lead us in worship every Sunday morning. Um, but if worship extends beyond the Sunday morning music, and if it's a continual outpouring, then it's probably valuable for all of us to have a theology of worship. So, what are yeah. some foundations of of a, having a biblical theology of worship, guys. Uh, Pat, maybe you can take this one. Like, what would you say is it's why is it important to have a theology of worship, and what are some foundations we can have in that? Yeah, um, well, you know, I think of uh, the the Book of Romans, Romans one to eleven, is you know this beautiful. It's this beautiful letter that Paul is writing of God acting on our behalf. Mm-hmm. God initiating, you know, worship is always a response to God initiating. Yes. Romans 1 to 11, God initiates God's sovereign plan of salvation. We see this, you know, this beautiful unfolding of, you know, chapter one, mankind is, is turned away. You know, we're, we're, we all stand equally condemned and, and we've, in chapter two, we've ignored God. We've mm-hmm. we've not walked in His ways. In chapter three, we have the, you know, um, this amazing uh, reminder that that it's all of grace that God is the one who has initiated and saved us. And and so there's this it's this ongoing unfolding of of this glorious God acting on our behalf. And you know, the end of chapter eleven, Paul just bursts out in, you know, oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom, the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his ways from him, through him, to him, or all things. He, he just implodes in praise and thanks to God for God initiating. Mm. And then and then we read in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore. So what he's saying is in light of all that I've been telling you about the saving acts of God, God initiating God's sovereign plan of salvation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, this is CSB version. Um, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Um, D.A. Carson, I love this real simple uh, definition that he gives of worship. He says the heart of genuine worship is the working out in every aspect of our lives, the confession, Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about a theology of worship, uh, we're talking about what, what does it mean in every aspect of your lives, living out that confession. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, then every aspect of your life, you're seeking to live out that. You're making 
a bold statement when I drive my car, when I pay my bills, when I sit in a restaurant with friends, when I'm with my children, when I'm with my wife on a date, when I'm with the church, you're making a statement with every aspect, every breath that God gives you that Jesus is Lord. And that's what Paul is basically saying in chapter 12 of verse one, after unpacking God's initiating, he's saying what you need to do in light of that is in view of his mercies, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, This is your true worship. So I think, you know, when we think of the theology of worship uh, at its basic, you know, just uh, a simplistic form, I think it's, uh, you know, Paul, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. Uh, Westminster Catechism would say that our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I love what John Piper, he would add, he would say, and we glorify God by enjoying him forever. And so um, at, at the, the simplistic form, a theology of worship starts with, um, with understanding that God is initiated, God has acted on our behalf, um, what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, and now our life is to be lived, every aspect of our life is living out that confession that Jesus is Lord. We glorify, we live to glorify God with with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that that's a simple definition yeah. of a theology of worship that that happens in in everyday life. That's so good, though. I mean, again, <laughs> that's funny because I, I never thought that talking about you know the theology of worship would get my would stir stir the spirit in my heart. But like hearing that and just realizing, like, the more you understand. I mean, again, we'll never understand all of God, <laughs> but the more that you right. uh, you you know of like other theologies here of salvation, of sin, of who God is, it gives you that more appreciation to flow into that theology of worship, of who mm. God is, what mm. He's accomplished, and why He's so deserving of that worship. And that's actually right. kind of blowing my mind right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's so so good. Um, I love I love that phrase too, Pat. That you you know, worship is basically a response to what God has done and is doing. Um, right. And I think for for everybody listening, you know, and even for all of us here on, on this call, because I think we we do well to continually, um, you know, this is this is why our like our Bible reading, our prayer time, these things matter so much because, you know, when we're we're talking about responding to what God has done, how are we going to respond if we don't know? Mm. Um. So we, I think it's just for anybody out there who's wanting to start, you know, developing their own theology of worship, start with reading the word, start yeah. with learning about the promises of the gospel, you know, start by reading the Psalms where you get to see such a, a, um, a wide variety of emotion, right? Mm. Yet such a big picture of who God is, what he's done and, and also how that should lead us into worship. I mean, Psalm 100, I, I just opened it up. Like, it's such a great little short psalm that says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. He, we are his people, 
and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Like, what a great just few verses that are just packed full of of who God is, what God is doing. And then also, you know, we should then respond in joyful, everyday worship, um, which, you right. know, of course, you know, of course it means singing. Of course it means that, but it also means, you know, being thankful. Um, it also yeah. means, you know, as Pat said, when you're just general living, you know, when you're out in your, um, a date with your wife or you're out with the kids or whatever that may be, as you're driving your car, you know, you can have, um, just a heart of, of worship and, and thankfulness. And, um, yeah. it really does just kind of impact, um, all of your living. And, and again, so yeah, just to bring it back, like I loved, um, just Pat, what you said about being a response to what, who God is and what he's doing and, and just basically offering our lives and, and pouring, you know, um, everything that we do into honoring, glorifying, making God just, um, making him, I don't want to say making him, that's not the right word, but seeing him as valuable, um, mm. glorifying him mm-hmm. and all those great things. So yeah, yeah. I would say for anybody out there who, who maybe, you know, thought of just theology as stuff for kind of what Adam said, just God and sin and evil and, and those kinds of things. And are now thinking, hmm, maybe, you know, what, what can I do to maybe develop my theology a bit more? Go back to the word, just soak in... Um, the, the promises of the gospel soak in, in books like Romans where Paul just lays out salvation so well and um, mm. let that just, yeah, fill up the well of your soul and your heart and you'll you'll notice a change, I think, pretty quickly when you really start to get into the word like that and let it just fill you up. Yeah, so it should, it should, it should just flow out from you. I mean, we have 1 Corinthians 10, 31. You know, what, whatever you eat or drink or wh- whatever you do, do all f- to the glory of God. And you no, know, Paul is talking there, yes, about, you know, uh, e- e- eating food as sacrificed to idols, not, not offending others' consciences and that. But, you know, whatever you do, make sure it's done unto God. You know, and mm-hmm. I think that's where that very basic understanding of a biblical theology of worship comes from, is that, you know, if I am, if I owe everything to God, and as you said, pa- Pat, if, you know, the first one to... 10 chapters of Romans are, you know, God initiating, God, you know, working in our lives, God coming here to saving us. And, you know, just if it's all on God's initiative, then of course I'm going to adore him. Of course I'm going to love him. And I should be doing whatever I do unto his glory. Right. And right. I, th- I think that's just an amazing <laughs> understanding of God and what worship is. Yeah. I think like, uh, you know, he, the letter of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, since therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The one command in this text uh, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, one imperative, and that command or that imperative is run. Um, we're run the race that's set before us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that running is living a life of worship. You know, it, it happens without music, without instruments, without the church doors being open, without order of service. 
It happens day in, day out. It happens at work, at rest, at play. It happens at schools, in schools, you know, in the middle of an exam, papers, relationships. It happens with troubles and trials and sickness and pain. Um, the list goes on. We're, we're commanded in light of, of the glory of the good news of Jesus Christ, in light of what God has done for us through Christ, we are we are called to run this race that is marked out for us run with endurance um and and you know we see clearly in that text we're to run aware of the cloud of witnesses we're mm-hmm. we're to run laying aside the weights and sins i, I love how the writer speaks of weights and sins because i think there's we 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 think that you know all the weights are sins but often weights are just good things in our life but they're slowing us down they're keeping us uh you know we're we're taking all this stuff in and we're forgetting what what the race is all about and who it's for um you know john piper speaks of the race of the christian life and he says it's not fought well or run well by asking what's wrong with this or that but by asking is it in the is is it in the way of greater faith and greater love and greater purity and greater courage and greater humility and greater patience and greater self-control not mm-hmm. is it a sin but does it help me run is it in the way and i think w- when we're thinking about worship we're, we're, we need to be saying is there things that's slowing me down from from running running uh this race that's marked out for me to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to to live the gospel, to worship Jesus Christ with with my entire life, and then you know the last thing in that text is we're to run with our eyes fixed on Jesus, and and that that is the be all and the end all. That that's what's gotta that's what's gonna get you in your soul and in your heart. That's what's gotta be the motivation to get up. And to run every day is, you know, the, the Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up in his joy. He yeah. goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. Mm-hmm. What, what, what it is, is when we, we discover Jesus and how glorious Jesus is, then, then it, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta bring about a heart that, uh, that wants to run <laughs> and and we're running uh with the saints down to the ages cheering us on we're running uh laying aside sins we're running laying aside weights we're running with our eyes fixed on jesus because jesus is that the we can see him and we we anticipate we long for that day where we'll be with jesus um and so yeah i, I think yeah <laughs> What, what we want people to know mostly is how are you doing with Jesus? Like, you know, um, yeah. you can have theology, uh, you know, up, up to your eyeballs and not know Jesus. But theology is, is the study of God. It's, it's, it, and it's not just about study, but it's, it's, it's right thoughts in the head and right affections in the heart that mm-hmm. lead to right responses in the body. <laughs> it's making sure that there's an engagement of our head and heart that that is moving us to 
to delight in, to love, to walk with, to serve, to give our lives away for Jesus. And, and that at the heart is, is, is understanding worship rightly, I think. Yeah, and I think, Pat, you hit it right on the head when you were talking about, um, or, or even just when, when you're thinking about how am I doing with Jesus, I think a question that we'd be well off to ask ourselves over and over and over again Again, because there are good things in our lives that we often value too much. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, what do I value? Like, what do I treasure? You know, that guy in the field, like that from Matthew that you just talked about, what is it in your life that you just can't live without? What is What are you finding valuable? What are you putting, um, you know, your treasure in? And and where is your heart? Because that ultimately is where, where mm-hmm. that question, the answer to that question is going to lead you. Because if you're treasuring something that's not Christ, that's going to be what you're mm-hmm. worshiping. But but that's missing the point altogether. So it's really just getting back to that, you know, you know, what is the heart? What do we value? Do we do we see Jesus as the most important, the most valuable, the most majestic, the greatest joy and peace that we have in life, or right. is it something else? Um, and that's really the heart of living out, you know, I think a, a the biblical theology of worship is is valuing. Mm glorifying, looking to Jesus, running that race well, um, forgetting, well, maybe not forgetting is the right word, but, you know, having your, your heart with the right affections in the right places. And yeah, it's just so easy. You know, as I'm saying that, (laughs) thinking my own humanity, it's so easy to not do that. Right. Like that's why I think we're so often told in scripture, you know, first John ends his book, um, or his letter, I should say with, with, you know, don't, basically follow idols, like don't have idols in your life. Um, yeah. Because these are the things that, uh, an idol is just basically anything that'll distract you from looking at Christ. So mm. yeah, that's just so good. And I think just to, to add on to that, David, is that um, trying to develop a theology of worship or or studying theology or trying to, you know, go to church week in and week out and produce um, good music and things like that, if you're heart is not set on Christ, all that just becomes exhausting and just becomes mm. a chore. Um, and all of it's just, it turns into work and there's no really joy found in it. But if if your heart's truly for Christ and all of these things, I mean, Jesus says himself that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, and all those are weary to come unto him. He's gentle and lowly at heart. And I think um, if we do all those things with Christ, uh, like you said, Pat, fixed our eyes on Christ, uh, running that race. Um, then I think that 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 stops becoming a chore that's laborious and starts becoming a joy that we get to um, rest in. Mm. Well, guys, uh, yeah. we're coming up on that. Uh, sadly, I mean, this is a great conversation. Um, but before we go, uh, Pat, is there anything else you want to leave for our listeners? Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a day and age where i mean we our hearts are idle factories as the guy said we're always running after something um the the danger to you know as jesus quoted isaiah the prophet in mark 7 this people honors me with their lips but their heart is disengaged it's far from me um so we can we can look good on sunday mornings we can look good with different aspects of our life but but in the end you know 
what what's going to really truly be revealed on any given day is is do we do we love Jesus and are we are we waging war against our sin and our struggles and and um, so I, I would just say to people, man, if if you want a theology of worship, start by beholding Christ and make Christ uh, Lord of your life in every way. As we started uh, by with D. A. Carson's definition, the heart of genuine worship is the working out in every aspect of our lives the confession: Jesus is Lord. Amen. Well, if you're listening to this, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with uh, Pat Sabell. You can uh, look him up and look up uh, Midtown Church, see what he's up to. Uh, but also, you know, I hope you're encouraged by this conversation and with Canada and, and a lot of the world in various types of uh, lockdowns, alert levels, you know, cold level, orange, orange, whatever you may be in. Um, I hope this encourages you that wherever you find yourself, you can still worship God. Uh, have that continue outpouring, and I challenge you um, to even take a look at Scripture and where your own heart is in worship. I mean, I know it's probably challenged all of us on this call in this little interview, uh, but thank you so much for your time, Pat. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thanks a lot. It's been great to hear from you, man. All right, if you're mm, listening, uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks again, Pat, and uh, we'll catch you all again next time. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.